0: It just makes me want to set myself on fire. welcome to episode 12 of Set Yourself on Fire. For those of you who are experiencing this quarantine, please remember this title is metaphorical and not literal. I will not be held on arson charges. I am too pretty to go to jail. Now, I know we are all freaked out and stressed about the state of this world right now, and rightfully so, but I'm not going to talk about it today because I don't feel it necessary to add fuel to the fire. Constantly hearing about it isn't going to help anyone's mental health. It's just going to heighten the fear and the anxiety. And so basically, I want to acknowledge I understand what's going on in the world. I'm not an adult, but also from a mental health perspective, perspective. I'm also not an adult and I'm also not going to keep triggering people in regards to the situation. So today I'm actually going to be talking about my adoption because on March 17th um, I sub- celebrated my adoption day. I landed on Canadian soil on March 17th 1991. I was officially a Canadian. And uh, I want to talk about that today, because it's not a conversation really had, because um, it was so long ago, and kind of the, I guess you would say, pandemic of it all is over now, so Romania is still coming back from it all, but it's not something that's talked about, and hopefully that's what today will be. So... Let's get into this. Um, I am one of 500,000 children who were raised in the orphanages of Romania, but even more so out of those 500,000 children, I am one of 170,000 survivors who survived the Romanian orphanages. So, shout out to me. I'm kind of like Harry Potter. I'm the girl who survived. Um, but that being said, I'm also the girl with a bit of a curse because despite not remembering the conditions of the orphanage, I am someone who is affected today by the conditions of the orphanages, and that is why I have had to spend so much of my life researching, because one, I'm a huge psychology nerd, and I love understanding the origin of things, and I love understanding the origin of myself, and... Some people get to go and they get to ask their parents, what time was I born? When was I conceived? What was I like as a child? Who do I get these characteristics from? Blather, blather, blather. I am not one of those people. I'm never going to have those answers. I'm not going to know if I look like my mom. I'm not going to know if I look like I'm my dad. I'm not going to know if I sing because my grandma was an amazing singer. I won't know where my mannerisms come from if, you know, I talk like with my hands like my sister did. Those aren't things that are going to be solved for me and they're a thing that I will have to make amends with and that's an everyday journey for me to be honest because anytime I go to a doctor's appointment and they go what's your family history I get to go i have no clue i'm random i'm a bullet i don't know this is russian roulette and i understand that i am not the only person in the world who goes through this i'm not the only adopted kid in the world but i also kind of want other adopted kids to know that there are people who have those feelings and those emotions and those wonders and that you're not alone And for me growing up, if I had been told that my questions and my feelings were natural, I think it would have helped me a lot in my depression because I was always kind of told like, oh, you know, you don't need to worry about where you came from. Um, or whose mannerisms you have because you are just expected to be in this family and don't worry about that other family. They weren't a family. They were just someone who, when you were born, placed you directly into an orphanage. They didn't give a shit. So, I mean, tell that to an 11-year-old and ask me how their mental stability comes out on top. Mm. Sorry, I'm recording in the morning, so um we're having coffee time as well as we do this because coffee, for anyone who knows me, is very, very important. So, one of the things about the Romanian orphanages is that they were overcrowded. Nicolae Cecescu, who was the first president and only president of Romania because they learned the fucking first time, um, made the decree 770 which banned all abortion and all contraception throughout Romania because he had visited China and Japan and he had seen the power those little leaders had and he believed the power came from population so in his head he went I want power I need a bigger um I need a bigger population and this is how I'm going to get it so you were fined if you were a woman over 21 who didn't have at least four kids and you weren't allowed to use any birth control you were expected to make the population um they had secret service in the doctor's office to make sure doctors weren't giving contraception weren't giving abortions none of that was happening and so thousands of women died from back alley abortions or simply just carrying too many children. Their body couldn't do it anymore and they died in childbirth and so the number of children who died in Romania is actually still unclear because there are so many. And there's so many to the point that unless you were a child who survived six months, six months, you had to be six months old to even be given a birth certificate. You weren't born. You weren't even recognized till you were six months old. Tell me if that is not extremely fucked up. So there were many kids in the orphanages. There, it ranged from newborns like me who were placed into the orphanage because their family could not afford to keep them whatsoever, to children who had grown up outside the orphanage, but now because of this law, their parents couldn't afford to keep them, and they were placed into the orphanage until they were old enough to come work for the family and contribute. They couldn't just have a young mouth at the table who couldn't help out around the house or help in the farm they needed to take care of the new mouse coming in and so the little bit of older kids were placed into the orphanages which is terrible because these kids were placed into the orphanage and then their heads were shaven and they were thrown in dirty bathwater and then they ensued so many different types of abuse they had mental abuse and physical abuse and sexual abuse and it became so so normal for these kids that they began passing down the abuse so the workers at the orphanage would abuse the new kids coming in the older kids coming in would then give it to the younger kids coming in and so on and so forth until it was the defenseless kids who were getting beat and sexually assaulted and they couldn't do anything about it and the worst part is is that this is terrible but then there's the people or the children who had disabilities because these children had no means of medication no means of diagnosis they were stripped naked had no medication given to them and then to top it all off so that they weren't a harm to themselves or other, They were chained to their beds. Could you imagine being chained to your goddamn bed naked because no one has the resources or the time to change you? I mean, it's just the most fucked up sentence. It really is. And so I want to stress that even though I am experiencing hardship as an adult. I still understand how extremely, extremely lucky of a human I am right now that I never went through those things. And if I did go through those things, I don't remember. Um, All I know is that basically I was placed in a lead crib and left there for 11 months and given water and broth in my bottle because there was no such thing as milk or formula because Ceaușescu had to export anything that the Romanian people made to pay off his billions of debt to other countries. And so I more so suffer from the orphanages as someone who was older And I say that because, one, like I said, I need to understand my origin, and so it's a lot of researching orphanages and a lot of researching Ceaușescu. But also, I suffer um, third-world problems in a first-world country. And so, as I've stated before, I have something called NVLD. It's Nonverbal Learning Disorder, and it is extremely, extremely common For the children of Romania to have this disorder, but it's extremely, extremely rare in Canada. And it's actually been proven through studies and MRIs that the children of Romania, um, which is what the kids in orphanages were called, have actually smaller brain sizes than normal children because of the developmental delays I'm one of those kids who was placed in a crib and never picked up and never held. there was no sensory for me. And so that has stemmed with the NVLD. Technically, um, the front part of my brain is is dead. Um, I also have physical problems like scoliosis and spina bifida, and it's actually been studied that these spinal issues because of the placement, where it links up to your brain are actually some of the reasons i have my anxiety and my depression which is very interesting um to know so again it's that starter pack of why do i have all these things and well it's because of the orphanage that i have all these things so it's extremely fucked up to be completely honest um And, you know, like I said, I was one of the lucky kids who was adopted. Not everyone was. Once Ceaușescu was killed, um, news got to first world countries about the state of the world. And um, a song called Nobody's Child was released. And basically, it became like like the... um, oh, what the hell is that Sarah, Ma- Arm of an, Arms of an Angel song by Sarah McLaughlin? you know, these families come on TV and for $2 a day you can save this child and the Arms of an Angel song plays and if you were in a good mood, you are now sobbing uncontrollably into a pillow going, take my money. That was Romania back in the 90s, it wasn't stories about Africa in the 90s. It was stories about the children of Romania and the song Nobody's Child was playing, not Arms of an Angel. And so my Canadian parents saw this and they flew to Romania to begin the adoption process. And actually, my estranged mother had found another little girl in an orphanage who she wanted to adopt before she found me. And the adoption fell through because the for- fork lore that was happening in Romania and the fork lore at the time was that. Wealthy Canadians and Americans were flying over to adopt these children to make them cadaver babies to save their own sick children. And so I guess that my estranged mother had found this other child and she went to their family and asked permission. And the family said, no, you're going to use our child as parts. We don't want that for them. And it's crazy to think that you still had to ask permission From a family who abandoned their goddamn child to adopt and give that child a better life. But that's how they did it. And so some families denied it on the thing of folklore. Some families denied it on the fact that they wanted these kids back when they were old enough to work in the farms. Um, And some families, like my um, biological family, actually allowed the adoption to go through. And so one of the stories I remember my estranged mother saying is that the first night she was able to take me to a hotel, she put me in the sink to give me a bath and I screamed bloody murder because I didn't understand what was happening. I had never been bathed. I had never been held like that. Um, So I guess it was all very traumatizing to my system. But You have to remember, too, I'm saying that I was 11 months old before these things happened. So I went 11 months without being held, being touched, having a fucking basic bath. And, I mean, thank God I don't remember those things because, I mean, how traumatic for the poor children who do, who are surviving. And for the kids who were old enough who didn't get adopted, they became street children. And they survived on their own and they became, they did whatever they needed to to survive. Some of them were able to go into studies. Some of them were able to go into new institutes and fosters. And they had such a hard time placing the children of Romania in foster systems because um, they're, I'm going to say this so wrong, so keep your goddamn judgment to yourself. They're... Their, oh, where is it? Of course, I lost my note. Why wouldn't I? Um, amygdala in their brain. Like I said, I butchered that. Um, but it's the part of the brain that clicks attachment. So, like when you were born and you saw your mother, that attachment piece was like, "Oh, you're my mom. Hello, I am now attached to you." That didn't form for many, 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 many thousands of children of Romania um, because there was no stimulation. Like I said, there was no one holding you. There were no constant face to connect to. um, There was no hands for your eyes to follow. So those senses didn't grow and develop. And so um, going into these institutes, they wouldn't all of a sudden be like, oh, you're my mom they would be like, I don't understand, I'm going to rebel about the situation, I don't want these rules, I don't want these structures, and, um, it, it was hard for them to all of a sudden go from no structure to going into structure, and, and having, not being safe, and having to fear adults, to being asked to trust and not fear the hand that bit you, or, um, the hand you used to bite, and so they would return these poor children back to the orphanages, and, To today, they are still studying the children of Romania, and the children of Romania are now working to do a lawsuit for compensation um, for the traumas they went through, for if they were old enough to remember the trauma they went through, they're trying to get compensation because they've led such a run-down life. Um, and so it's very interesting because there's actually still studies going on today at the University of Bucharest in regards to the children of Romania, but also there's still studies being done today at Harvard User University about the children of Romania and brain scans are still being done, MRIs are still being done, um physical research on the development of their bodies are being done, their behaviors are still being um you know monitored and conditioned to see what all stemmed and so it's extremely interesting and for for me I honestly would kind of love to be one of, part of one of those studies because I think it would give me so many more answers um for me like I said um I was adopted because of you know the the TV broadcast of Nobody's Child and the videos of calling children or calling Canadians to Romania and after that picked up 2020 actually did a huge piece on the children of Romania and the adoptions of Romania and I am actually in that 2020 piece and so I'm kind of like a celebrity of the 90s guys um but also um there were reports in the winnipeg sun and the daily graphic and a bunch of canadian papers um where i you know covering my adoption and covering all the things that they went to go do and i do know the one really cool thing is that when my estranged family came back after adopting me a fam- a friend a family friend a family friend a family whatever also went to Romania and adopted a little boy too. And so I kind of got to meet him and, um, another family. So there's three of us from Romania who all kind of grew up in the orphanages. And the very interesting thing is that there's been studies done saying that, 75% of males who are adopted won't want to know their origin story. Like, they see their adoptive family as their family, and they won't want to look into their biological family. And it's a very lesser percent for females. I think it's only about, um, like, 20% 20% of females will be satisfied knowing that their adoptive family is their family and they won't want any biological connection. And it's very true because me and the one other girl I know who are adopted from Romania both have always wanted to know our stories and the little boy I knew who was adopted from Romania was just like nope this is my family this is my mom this is my dad these are the people who loved me and raised me these this is my family. Those other people just happened to create me, but they mean shit all. And so it's very interesting to know that those studies are actually very true. So I kind of just wanted this episode to talk about the conditions of the orphanages, um, about how there is this story across the world of hundreds and thousands of children who... Um, Grew up in these conditions, who are still out there today suffering through these conditions, how one man's actions changed the life of 500,000 innocent souls and even more, not counting the actual population of Romania. And it's something I struggle with constantly because I always feel like I am a product of Decree 770. I am a product of banned contraception and banned abortion, and I don't have this ability to form attachments, which, hey, I mean, maybe it explains the estranged family, and maybe it explains all the divorces. Who knows? Um But this part of my origin story, and perhaps all of my origin story, is something that I constantly struggle with. It's something that puts me deeply into my rabbit hole. And I will say that I am actually really surprised that I was able to record this week because even though I left it to the absolute last minute, like it's Saturday at 11.23 and then I'm going to edit and release this, but I'm going through having March 17th as this day that I celebrate um, for the fact that I became loved by someone on this day, but the counterflip is it took 11 months for someone to find me and love me and value me and save me, and then there's this flip of these people who search so hard for me, in the end, have nothing to do with me. They don't know where I am. They don't know what I'm doing. They don't know who I became. They know who I was. They know who they made me out to be, but if... They saw me on the street. They would probably recognize me. Like, I don't look that different. Would they talk to me? No. Would I want a connection with them? Also no. But it's so fucked up in my head to know that there is someone who went through hell and high water to get me, and in the end, just went peace out. And it really plays with me right now, because um, Monday, the 23rd, is what would have been my six-year anniversary with my partner, who I'm still technically married to at this point in time. And we spent eight and a half, nine years together. And they knew all this story. They knew all my abandonment. They knew about my first wife cheating on me. And they always promised me a forever and that it would never happen again and I felt so safe in their arms and that this was forever and we went through so much mentally um and emotionally and we both grew in our diagnosis we both grew in our medications we both grew in our honesty we both I grew in my counseling and in the end they looked at me and said you're too much and I'm gonna go have this affair with someone else. And instead of giving me the dignity of leaving me to my face, they did me the dishonor of simply leaving me through a text message saying, you don't make me happy. I'm not happy with you. You can't provide me happiness and just don't come home. And they didn't care if I had a roof over my head. They didn't care if I was going to have to live in my vehicle And I mean, I am utterly grateful to J and S because they just were like, you live here now. There was no hesitation in my friends to protect me. And I think for me, that's why I stress so much that my friends are my family, that my friends are my village, that my friends are so much to me. Because although friends come and go, they don't promise to love you forever forever. They promise to be there for you. They promise to love you and care for you. And they keep that promise until they part. And, you know, friends forever is one thing. Um, But you know eventually you will outgrow your friends. But you never expect to outgrow the people who adopt you. You don't expect to outgrow the people who say they're going to spend forever with you and put a a ring on your finger. You don't expect that the person who you opened up to more in the entire world, who got to see the darkest, deepest parts of you Is one day going to leave you for someone that they had an emotional affair with. And then it became physical. And it happened over a goddamn Snapchat. And I guess that's not fair to say in a sense because I don't know when their relationship started. And maybe I look into their relationship more than I should but I mean let's face it I've got 99 problems and abandonment issues is number one on the bloody list and so I think that me researching the children of Romania remind me that I am only one of 500,000 people who probably have abandonment issues and I am one of 170,000 survivors and those numbers are huge Um, but I guess in a sense it gives me hope because if I can be the one to overcome thousands and thousands of odds, then maybe I'm the one who also gets to keep surviving this heartache and, you know, accept some of the fate that I didn't want to accept. I, you know, being abandoned at such a young age, I always stressed throughout my life that I wanted a marriage and I wanted children, and so when I was young, I got married in hopes of having children, and of course, it didn't pan out, and I mean, we were young, and I understand that looking back now, that mm, is, I I mean, who's to say there are some people who get married out of high school and are still married today, and they beat those odds, but I just didn't beat those odds, because maybe I beat all the other odds, and then when I found my um my now partner, that I thought, okay, this is, this is forever. Like I went through all this shit and I always used to say this stupid thing that I believed that my partner was my gift for going through everything. Like I went through hell and high water to have all these experiences. So at the end of the day, I could find this person who, who would be my person, who would love me unconditionally, who I got to go home to every single day. And we worked on a family And it's not something a lot of people know, but um, I was doing doctor's appointments to get into the fertility clinic. We actually got accepted into the fertility clinic of Calgary. We were waiting for that phone call. We were waiting for that first phone call for that initial appointment to come in. I was taking um, acids to up my fertility. We had donors in place and all of that is gone now and I am starting back from scratch and it's kind of like a game of snakes and ladders the higher you climb the further you fall and I guess it goes for everybody and I'm not the only person in the world and sometimes looking back on these statistics it reminds me that I'm not the only person in the world and I guess there's comfort and disaster Because while everyone is panicking around the world right now about this COVID-19 that I said I wasn't going to talk to, but I'm a big fat liar. Um, I guess the thing is, is that it's no different than remembering that you need to find your village and take care of yourself and take care of your village. I am someone who has been, you know, FaceTiming my friends. I had a dance party the other day with um, my platonic wife. Um we did a little bit of a workout and by that I mean they did a little bit of workout while I neenered at them for not going low enough in a sit-up that I can't even do. Oh no, sorry, a push-up that I can't even do. But I guess just remember that in fear there is fire and in fire there is light and in light there is positivity. So remember that there are resources to help you. Um, and that don't be afraid to reach out and lean on your friends and talk about your mental health and remember that, um, you are loved. You might be going up your wall and you might be scared, but you are so loved and to just remember your village is always there. And that's why we have villages and really, except for me rambling on, I'm gonna say that's today's episode. Um, I am, however, going to do something unusual, and instead of just ending it with me talking, I'm actually going to end it with the song, Nobody's Child. So, if you guys want to listen to it fully play, you can, or if you don't want to, that's totally fine. So, know that I love all my listeners, and that if you guys want to you can dm me on instagram or facebook and i can make a video and we can chat and have a great time and so i love you all and goodbye
1: i was slowly passing And stopped there for a moment Just to watch the children play Alone a boy was standing And when I asked him why He turned with eyes that could not see And he began to cry I'm nobody's child I'm nobody's child I'm like a flower Just growing wild No mommy's kisses And no daddy's smile Nobody wants me I'm nobody's child People come for children and take them for their own, but they all seem to pass me by and I am left alone. I know they'd like to take me, but when they see I'm blind, they always take some other child and I am left behind. No mother's arms to hold me, or soothe me when I cry. Sometimes it gets so lonely here, I wish that I could die. I'd walk the streets of heaven, where all the blind can see. And just like all the other kids, there'd be a home for me. I just can't seem to figure out why the folks all pass me by. Because I know that it's true that God takes little blind children with Him in the sky. And they tell me that I'm oh so pretty and they seem to like my big curls of gold. But then they take some other little child and I'm left here all alone. I'm nobody's child I'm nobody's child I'm like a flower Just growing wild No mummy's kisses And no daddy's smile Nobody wants me I'm nobody's
0: child